0: you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 fm well as we speak <clears throat> the weather is without question the big story a tornado touched down in johnston earlier so huge um, or i should say heavy heavy flooding right now is uh been taking place and just torrential torrential rain now granted it depends on where you are but boy that rain comes in so quickly and very very heavy uh there are thunderstorms being reported this um very dangerous storm apparently it's only going to be in with us till about mid-afternoon and then believe it or not it's actually going to be beautiful later in this afternoon but uh very very rare tornado warning i'm just looking in in johnston Uh, WPRI Channel 12 is reporting that the fire department there's been also a massive storm damage and Johnston really got hit with a tree partially onto a house uh, because of I think they're going to be on the ground the National Weather Service and determine that a tornado did touch down in Johnston but you had uh, tornado sirens activated in Brown at um, excuse me in Providence I believe around brown university i'm looking at in north Attleboro, terrible terrible flooding um, with uh, many many of the the streets completely flooded out but it would also seem right along that 295 corridor of johnston and then also north providence where uh, some trees were totally taken down now situate also is one of those areas they believe that this uh, tornado went right through situate but definitely also a flash flood warning is now in effect folks as our extreme weather continues so um so a tornado they started tracking it it came up very very quickly and and then suddenly boom there it was so it depends on where you are but they believe that a car on 295 south greenville avenue exit route 6 picked up 10 feet in the air by a tornado driver was taken to the hospital with injuries so it's as if the tornado went right down 295 that corridor we have johnston and then north providence they're all kind of like right there but um Then we're also, I'm seeing on social media, people that someone was, uh, I think, on their bike, and then they went over to, they were right over by the RISD Museum, and then they moved everyone into the basement of the RISD RISD (laughs) Museum, and they did put out, you know, the warning of to try to go to a a low-level type place, go to, like, the basement. So the tornado um, warning came before nine o'clock. It was supposed to be until just 9:15, but uh, suddenly the tornado watch was issued r- a little after I, I believe it was like right after 8:30. It was only going to be a window until about 9:15 in the morning. But it would seem that it did in fact touch down right in the johnston uh, situate area i'm looking right now actually as i pull up a map and um and you you get an idea now but but it was definitely in and around the providence area and then if you focus on 295 that's really where right up that 295 corridor where you have basically situate and we also then really johnston yeah situate avenue um greenville right up there into the johnston area so but a, a truck pulled up into the air and the driver actually had to go to the hospital so that would be interesting to hear their account so right along that uh 295 corridor of johnston and then you have johnston's to the east and situate to the west right before santerdale and right before greenville that seems to be where this um tornado and folks it's it's stop and starts definitely with the storm but the weather is something to definitely watch today because of the amount of flooding you're listening to the john DePietro show the coesed Inn, 226 coesed avenue west warwick delicious food and drink they have a great bar area always a dependable menu whether you're going to eat there or take out a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coheset Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coheset Inn, 226 Coheset Avenue in West Warwick. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, which is dipietro.com. So, former Rhode Island governor, now member of the Biden administration, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo was back at the Rhode Island State House, and as the norm would be with her, of course, it comes with some controversy. So, and what's the controversy that we're talking about? A subtle dig at the U.S and a subtle dig at our flag so now i have it posted um on facebook i will also have this posted on the website petro.com. but for those that know about flag etiquette the u.s flag is always supposed to be the highest in any time flags are assembled the u.s flag is supposed to be the highest flag, the flag of the United States, should be at the center, highest point of the group in number of flags or states. But in the Ramondo portrait that was unveiled, the Rhode Island flag is higher. Let's hear This is the piece from... In Rhode Island tonight the unveiling
1: of her
2: official gubernatorial portrait. Romano tells us she's proud of the work her administration accomplished during her time in office and says she hopes her time leading the state inspires other women to get involved in politics. Romano also explained why she chose a unique backdrop for her portrait.
1: I purposely chose to be uh, in front of a Rhode Island beach because I have a love of Rhode Island beaches. Uh, We are the ocean state. And I also, I want people to feel an openness. You know, I want people to know this is the people's house, it's their house, and
2: uh, we have a great state. The artist chosen to paint the portrait was set to receive a $50,000 commission with a lot of that money coming from private donations.
0: But when you look at the flag and make a point to look at the flag, the Rhode Island flag, is is higher now that's not an accident this is from the school of the Michelle Obama for the first time in my life I'm proud of my country this is a nod to the progressives that uh, it's not the great country that many people think it is that the Declaration of Independence our Constitution was formulated by old white men this is her way that's by design That's not an accident. Whoever, you know, they commissioned to do this, I'm sure they would know. And someone would look at it. A historian would look at it. The U.S. flag is always supposed to be higher. No, this was done by design. Notice it's when she talks about openness, the whole thing starts off as she's hoping this motivates. It's it's once again the same thing of her of only the girls could be governor for a day she hopes that women see this are inspired who cares about the men and then as a slap in the face to um all of our veterans and really our country purposely has the rhode island flag higher in this official portrait than the u.s flag and now it's going to be i'm also curious as to did anyone mention it when they were unveiling this uh why wouldn't other people look at that and say hey wait a minute that's wrong this would almost like be having it on the wrong side no it's it's not wrong it, it is wrong but it's by design don't think that this was something overlooked this is her way of a wink and a nod at the progressives which is we're not the great country that people make us out to be and we're going to change that um i have to have the u.s flag there But I really just want the Rhode Island flag. So we're going to have the U.S. flag a little bit lower. Just this is completely consistent with her progressive ideology. And it is an insult. I don't believe that, you know, she is a perfectionist. There's no way this was an accident. This was done by design. This isn't the McKee administration. This is the Raimondo administration. This is her. She didn't. She doesn't make these types of mistakes. So some people will try to dismiss it. Supporters of her, defenders of her, but make no mistake about it. This was done by design, and and it's wrong. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show at Med Urgent Care walk-in urgent care center all your medical needs they're open seven days a week doctors and nurses two locations 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center 5750 post road east greenwich right across from felicia's again they're open seven days a week there's two locations: one near you, Johnson, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road East Greenwich, that's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want Atmed Urgent Care. Again, two locations: 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road East Greenwich, seven days a week. Doctors and nurses at Med Urgent Care. Folks, you're listening. The John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's 13 a.m. 1380, 99.9 9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top legal minds and attorneys. It's attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, um, you know, we've been talking quite a bit, obviously, uh, about these various Trump uh, legal problems and trials there's there's something about this situation that came down with the indictments in uh in georgia and the uh the use of the rico the amount of people that are involved it's um it's it's certainly not something you see every day but there's just something about this that that sounds more perilous than than some of the other uh, legal problems that he's facing
3: the peril i guess If you're Donald Trump, is that this is currently a state case, not a federal case. So, to play out the popular scenario, if he wins re election, he could pardon himself from any of the federal offenses. He cannot pardon himself from a state charge or a state conviction or a state sentence. Um, That's one. Two, I mean, from a political perspective, the optics are going to be bad because Georgia is insisting that he's going to be processed like any other defendant. He's going to be printed. He's going to have his mugshot taken. So obviously there's segments of the media that are gleefully anticipating a mugshot so they can, you know, run it 24-7 and his political opponents can, you know, crank out t-shirts. Uh, the okay. optics are going to be terrible for, for President Trump. But separate from that, he and, what, 18 or 19 others have been charged under the RICO statute, which is yeah. perplexing. As, as your listeners likely know, RICO stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations. It's a federal statute. Um, which was designed largely to attack organized crime um, operations. Right. You know, crime families typically have disparate um, uh, methods of control and command. It's not like any normal, you know, business organization. And RICO was used successfully by the feds for the last what, twenty or thirty years, to um, cripple organized crime activities yeah what anything that could have occurred between donald trump his attorneys his subordinates it's really hard to to fit the allegations into the rico sort of framework It it's not a natural for this type of prosecution um you're going to have what 18 19 defendants this um Uh, district attorney or whatever she's called fanny willis is making public statements her intention is to try them all all defendants together (laughs) that's crazy yeah (laughs) it really is crazy now if the idea is to bog down a case which if there's 19 defendants plus lawyers plus judges plus jury plus court officers plus media um You would, it would take the convention center literally to try a case like this. Um, a question is asked, there's a witness on the stand. There could be 19 objections, objection, 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 because everyone's got a record to uh protect for on behalf of their individual clients. There'll be that many more motions, that many more briefs. If the idea is to make this such a long, grinding trial that Donald Trump is pinned down and kept off of the campaign trail, um, I guess that's one way to look at it. But it seems to me that this is going to be a very unwieldy prosecution. A couple of other things which are in the legal realm, not the political realm, and I think certainly happens here, is the prosecutor, Fannie Willis. She gets elected she's, this is an elected position and she's up for election. in I guess 2024 she's fundraising off of this thing. So is she politically motivated or legally motivated in bringing the charges that she's brought at this particular time? Uh, the timing is if you're Trump, I guess the worst possible timing, um, I'm not sure what facts have been developing over the last two years, which were not known. This is a very curious case that's had two, possibly three different grand juries. Now that the case, uh, in the the uh, indictment has been filed, the, George is unique. The case has now been assigned to the newest superior court judge. So the media is crowing about the fact, oh, he's a he was a... Um, Republican appointee. Okay. He was, I believe, appointed. I'm not sure if it was to fill um, the balance of, um, of an unexpired term, but this judge who's going to be handling the Trump case has been a judge since December of 2022. So he's been a judge for eight months. And he also is now up for reelection in 2024. Right. Judges in in Georgia are elected. Now, you know, critics can um, uh, point fingers at the way Rhode Island um, selects its judiciary through the judicial nomination process. You know, um, for certain, um, there's gotta be Senate confirmation, Senate vetting, and ultimately um, the governor has to pick and the Senate has to approve. Okay. That's a process that anyone can look at it and say, well, there's flaws in that system. I mean, I practice in all the courts, John, and I, whatever you think of the political um, thumb that might be on the scale of the selection process, at the end of the day, we get pretty good judges. They yeah. really They really are pretty good judges, as faulty as the process might be. I'm much happier with this system. I would be very concerned if we had elected judges who had to campaign, who had to raise money, who had to stand before voters, and who might have their judicial decisions influenced by the fact they're going to stand election. So this judge who's going to be handling the Donald Trump um, matter, is he going to be free to call it as he sees it, or is he going to have one eye on the courtroom and another on the voting public, very treacherous for Donald Trump um, to be in that environment. Now, Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, has already, I think, very properly filed a motion to remove this case to federal court. I think the federal court would be a much more judicious forum to attempt to have this case tried it wouldn't be in the hands of this elected judge you know it would be out of the hands of this necessarily this prosecutor and it would be handled by federal prosecutors much like in Rhode Island John uh, look at the Buddy Cianci trial
0: exactly that was I was going to get back to just uh, Tim Dodd the element of the Rico case which it does make it unique because it's you know and I've learned a lot by covering that but it's it's basically an element of a of a criminal enterprise if if you know three or four guys decide they're going to get together rob a bank you know that that's that's one thing but what they're basically alleging is when it is oh you know all the efforts are done and there's a, an actual chain of command much like you know the mob boss that instructs uh, quote like a soldier to go down somewhere and take care of someone the mob boss isn't on the scene but he's instructing his underlings to commit the crimes i think that's the unique part about this that there it's not like someone's going to say no if they work for the person and the person's instructing them to you know carry out the act
3: right and in, in, in the cnc matter yes. um buddy was an elected official and his subordinates like Frank Carenti and David Eade and all these other players were all employed by the city. So they were all allegedly acting in their official capacity. Mark Meadows is saying, look, I was the chief of staff. Whatever I did was in the capacity as my job as chief of staff. Donald Trump could say actions that I took were in my capacity as president. Now, the question will be, did he take these actions as president or as a political candidate. That that gets to be a bit tricky, but I think a lot of these defendants could be properly trying to remove their case to federal court. Let's assume it did get removed to federal court, which is the more appropriate forum for a RICO prosecution. I guess if it's now a federal case, and I'm not that familiar with Georgia law, but if it's now a federal prosecution federally tried in a federal court with a federal judge or federal prosecutors, would an adverse result be something Trump could pardon himself for? Right. The substantive law would be Georgia law, but the, the rules in the trial would be potentially federal. I would see that as a likely play that all, most, if not all, of these defendants might make down the line. For uh, Fannie Willis to, to boldly state she's going to try this case in uh, March of 2024 is preposterous. Even if there was no political overlay, and even if there wasn't the suspicion that this all these prosecutions are timed to interfere with the Republican primary season, even if you took all that away, and the defendants here were just guys and not political guys and not national figures... The prosecution has had two and a half years to put this case in front of the uh, grand jury two times, to look at all the documents, listen to all the tapes, listen to all the conversations, um, all the witness statements. For a prosecution like this, and for the defense, excuse me, to have, what, maybe six months to get tuned up and to review all the massive amount of uh, material here, and to delve into the unique um, legal theories that this case presents, it would be grossly unfair to Trump and any of the other defendants to have to try this case in March. This is unheard of that a case of this complexity would be pushed on such a fast track for apparently no other reason than to get the case tried and maybe get a guilty verdict before the general election, Uh, there's no other good reason for it. This is not a case that should be tried in six months. This is a case, usually the pretrial discovery and preparation and the various motions that would be made uh, could take a year, could take a year and a half easily. Uh, So, you know, it's just implausible that this case could be brought in front of a jury this quickly.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePetro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations. You can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401 885 4209 three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential or commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252 3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus we're speaking with our legal expert it's attorney tim Dodd. tim will stay on some of the national issues and it, uh it certainly seems that hunter biden uh could be headed to trial after his plea agreement fell apart
3: Well, yes, there's the three charges, which um, he is now pled not guilty because the plea deal fell apart. So he's got two um, tax issues, criminal uh, allegations, and one regarding um, a firearms um, issue. So with all of the shenanigans, which there's a specter of his involvement, if not yet total proof He's only got these three relatively minor charges to deal with. Now, Merrick Garland has now appointed a special prosecutor to this case. The special prosecutor is David Weiss, who is the current U.S. attorney in Georgia, in excuse me, not Georgia, Delaware. Um, much is made, oh, David Weiss was a Trump appointee. Oh, he's a Trump guy. Well, I don't think he's a Trump guy, or I'm not sure what sort of a staff he's got and how answerable he is to Merrick Garland. But the plea deal that Weiss oversaw, which fell apart, would have had Hunter pleading guilty to these three charges, not getting any jail time. And the deal also would have absolved him and made him immune from possible prosecution, for any other matters where the potential for criminal charges uh, currently being investigated could occur. So for Hunter, this was the deal of the century. Um, I guess, fortunately, the judge who would, would have been the sentencing judge started to ask for more information. And both the prosecution and the defense had to fess up that there was more to this deal, proposed plea deal that anyone had any knowledge and the judge wouldn't go for it so now david weiss the same guy who brokers a deal that would have immunized hunter from prosecution for anything but these three relatively minor charges now he's going to be the tiger that's going to go investigate hunter further regarding any of the um allegations regarding money laundering and influence peddling vis-a-vis his father. This is the same guy who's blown statute of limitations on other potential criminal charges. The same guy who seemed uninterested in really going through Hunter's laptop, which was in the possession of the feds for what years before anything happened. Um, he doesn't seem to be a very zealous prosecutor in going after Hunter in the same way that, uh, Jack Smith has been zealously beyond zealously going after Donald Trump rightly or wrongly. So the appointment of this special counsel in my view is putting a weak special counsel in charge of this process. Um, He doesn't seem like a very um, enthused choice to really dig in to see what, what's there with Hunter and His appointment may well hinder Congress's investigation of Hunter Biden um, in making it more difficult for Congress to get material that now the feds are going to say, we can't release this material because it's part of our investigation. So I I think that this appointment is nothing that um, Hunter Biden should be afraid of. I think he's smiling today.
0: Folks, we speak with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, closer to home, uh, attorney uh, Peter Leach, seemingly has uh, run into some problems. But I believe there's a a plea change, and I believe the information we have that that um, he's going to, you know, plead guilty and take responsibility for some of his acts. But what what can you tell us about attorney Peter Leach case? Mm -hmm.
3: Well, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. You know, time a lawyer gets jammed up like this, it reflects poorly on the profession. But yep. these are thankfully rare occasions where these types of things occur. Um, there's another lawyer just to compare who got jammed up for, I think he stole $35,000 from an right. estate. He's been disbarred. He's acknowledged you know, his guilt. Um, I'm not, I didn't know that guy, um, didn't know what his practice was. He seemed to to acknowledge in the media that he didn't have a particularly successful practice. He did a lot of cases pro bono, meaning for free, um, which is very admirable, but I don't think he would be in the uh, upper echelon of successful lawyers with all due respect. Peter Leach, on the other hand, was a very good lawyer. I mean, he did some bad things here. But he was a very smart, very competent, very skilled lawyer. He had a very successful personal injury practice. He handled a lot of big cases. He got a lot of big money settlements. But I think that the lifestyle that he wished for himself yeah. and the expenses that he was incurring outpaced his ability to earn fees from his legal practice So as attorneys have done from time to time, you start to potentially dip into your client's account, which is completely wrong. There's allegations that he might have signed his client's name to settlement checks, which is entirely wrong. Um, There's allegations that money that he took from clients and didn't let clients know that their cases had settled, he took the money and thereafter did not report it as income. So that creates IRS problems. So he's got problems with the money he took from clients. He's got problems with the IRS because he underreported his income because obviously he wasn't reporting the income that he took, which was otherwise rightfully for his clients. This case has been ongoing since I believe perhaps 2019, 2020. Yeah. Right. Um, it's been very quiet. I mean, we all as lawyers knew that something was up with him. He has been suspended since, I believe, 2019 from the practice of law. In this apparent plea deal, he's acknowledged admitted guilt um, in the federal system where this case lies, taking responsibility, acknowledging guilt. You know, there's a restitution component, not making the government go through a trial. Um, accepting responsibility are all factors when it comes to sentencing which are if you will mitigating factors which will lessen whatever potential um, jail time he might be um, exposed to in a case like this could this be a potential jail case sure Um, can i predict what kind of time he might get it's hard to predict because we yet, don't yet know what has been worked out in terms of this uh, plea bargain. It's certainly worthy of jail, but potentially his cooperation, his potential, I'm not sure if he's made restitution, could be mitigating factors that save him from jail altogether or at least potentially would shorten any exposure he has to actually serve time in jail. But, you know, his life has been Um, ruined upended you know whatever you want to say and you know he sometimes guys get jammed up for different reasons drugs alcohol gambling Uh, I'm not sure if any of that was part of Peter's situation Um, I know that he lived large um, and um, one would have thought that he was certainly Earning the fees to support his large lifestyle. And apparently sure. that was some About in some case. portions true, and in some portions an illusion that was bankrolled with clients' money. And that's the yeah. sad reality.
0: Folks, quick break, much more head. Legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass 401. falcon pest services residential or commercial whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem bed bugs ants roaches listen a mice problem mice can be problematic rats mosquitoes many other pests falcon pest services serving rhode island and massachusetts all different types of programs multifamily housing condos apartments single-family homes restaurants office buildings highly trained experienced pest control technicians maybe it's once a year maybe it's a one-time treatment monthly service quarterly or year-round protection you can depend falcon pest services call them today for a free quote 401-739-1322 get your yard sprayed get rid of those mosquitoes falcon pest services call today 401-739-1322 falcon pest services you can also find them on facebook make sure to find the john dipetro show facebook page and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream follow it all real time live stream just follow john dipetro show right there on the facebook page you're listening to the john di show it's am 1380 and 99.9 fm well the clock is ticking as far as the primary cd1 that congressional seat that cicilline left now there are some more debates uh, coming up as a matter of fact the televised channel 10 and channel 12 but last night they were at roger williams university and channel 10 did a brief piece on it i heard they had I didn't see it. I heard they had some technical problems with it. But let's just hear the uh, Channel 10 piece. Tonight, the Democratic candidates for Rhode Island's first congressional district met in a sometimes fiery debate. Ten of the 12 Democrats vying for David Cicilline's seat squared
2: off at Roger Williams University with just a couple of weeks to go before the primaries. And the night team's Leanna Falk is live in Providence to break it all down. Leanna?
1: Yeah, Patrice, Dan, the candidates weighed in on everything from education to the environment and even some recent campaign controversies as they try to secure chunks of support in a very crowded field of Democrats. Thursday's first congressional district debate often saw broad agreement among 10 of the 12 contenders. While most Democrats largely agreed not to disagree with many of David Cicilline's policy choices, Walter Burbrick, a former U.S. Navy officer, called the former congressman's view on defense spending into question. I think we can spend
3: smarter, uh, not bigger. Uh, and I probably have been one. Uh, I would have been one of two, two Democrats that would have voted against the NDAA.
1: And Representative Stephen Casey pushing back on the now Rhode Island Foundation CEO's policy on gun control.
3: I think banning all the weapons uh, is not the answer to the problems that we have here
1: and in a primary this competitive candidates held back no punches lieutenant governor sabina matos and former state representative aaron Regenberg were targets for their recent campaign controversies it's another thing to have actually dead people sign the forms that's actually forgery and fraud Mm -hmm. someone could have signed my papers intentionally to damage my company. When asked if she took responsibility for the signature submitted on her behalf, she did, reiterating she had more than enough to qualify. There was no coordination.
3: Like many people, you can't control what your in-laws do.
1: Regenberg slammed by his rivals over a $125,000 family-funded it's Super right PAC donation. Do you, with all due respect, denounce no. the Super PAC spending? I condemn the whole system of outside spending. No, is, I'm, I'm asking a very question. Very... On education, Stephanie Beauty says she would forgive student loans in their entirety. I think that was part of the Biden's campaign promise, and so he has the authority to do so, and he does need to do so. Senator Casada agreed, but only up to $10,000. The grant uh, to huge big company, why is it cannot do it to a student, then I do agree $10,000 would be over. As for climate, candidates echoed similar sentiments but differed on how to narrowly address the crisis. Investments
3: in solar to uh, clean school buses to uh, environmental justice grants.
1: We
2: need to make sure that the inflation reduction act like no left behind the uh, communities
1: that are more affected by climate change. So that is what I would uh, raise the to. Alan Waters and Spencer Dickinson were not asked to participate in this debate because they didn't meet the criteria. The special election is scheduled for November 11th. Live in Providence, Leanna Falk, NBC10 News, 19.
0: Right, but the primary is September 5th. Now, first of all, it's a joke having all these people on stage. It is. And I don't know what type of criteria they were using that would eliminate those two individuals. Um, Several of them don't. I found the Matos lieutenant governor. First, she says she takes responsibility then she pivots and says maybe someone signed it by design to damage her campaign so now she has a conspiracy going that it was purposely done that's not what happened um she hired people they were people that worked for governor mckay there's a criminal investigation into those signatures look at the, look at this this late date and she still doesn't have and i and i hope in a further debate that that is fleshed out to exactly you know which is it do you take responsibility or are you saying there's some conspiracy that came about where there's someone purposely doing that which is totally ridiculous so someone you hired signed the name of people who were deceased your campaign spokesperson notarized it but you're saying that it was all done by design to try to sabotage your campaign. I, I don't. That's pathetic. Um, she can't even come up with a real theory. This, this is going to be really pathetic if she wins, which I don't think she is going to. Um, but a, a lot of the, the – the there's too many people. I mean, and they don't even have a viable shot here. Some of the people – now, watch. When this thing is done, there are there some of them in the race – they going to receive maybe one percent of the vote i mean that's what, what what are we talking about here so they're running for whatever reason i don't know but as i've said now matos is out with something attacking gabe ammo and ruggenberg so it would seem that she sees those two as her biggest competitors with her polling some polling should have been done to narrow the field You you don't all these people on stage in half of them don't even have a shot. Like what? Why are you having someone on the stage in a debate who's going to like finish eighth? It 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 should be narrowed because then otherwise you're not really getting anything. And some of the people that are dominating are people that don't even have a legitimate shot. So this this should have been done more to narrow the field with the criteria and the two front runners remain Regenberg and Matos I I still think it's maybe one of those two I'm sticking with I, I still believe Regenberg he's had people vote for him I mean when you he lost in 2018 as I've said there's no one really going after his vote if you're a supporter of his there's really no one else that you're saying well on second thought, I'm going to go for this person. So, but this is one of those situations. You, you shouldn't, they shouldn't have all these people. And I, I, I'm I, anxious to see what this is like when it's a televised debate. This number of people on the stage, they really need to cut it off. Um, and some of the individuals, I also, I don't understand why they're just running for Congress when they should just run for a regular seat. Folks, you're listening to the John DePetro Show. Get your driveway paved j perry paving letter j j perry paving high quality fair pricing exceptional service over 25 years experience specialized commercial paving residential paving seal coating call for a free estimate today 401-732-1730 j perry paving Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand-new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Well, the bank high suspects caught on camera after court. Now, this is the NBC 10 story, and I think they have that these two suspects they returned right back to the hotel where they were staying, and they're out on bail. Now, the question is, where is the money? There's still four hundred thousand in cash that is missing. So, but here is the uh, Channel 10. Your side? No, 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 The bank heist couple captured on camera. Back at the hotel, they were caught less than 24 hours ago, smiling, laughing.
2: Would you want to defend yourself, say a few words here? No, thank you. No, excuse
0: me. Hours after they were cuffed in court, the former bank operations manager and her boyfriend charged with stealing almost a half million dollars during the heist on the hill. Now, the exclusive video of the bank bandits. This accused couple posting bail and walking free. Police calling it a sophisticated heist and an inside job. The couple on the run since the money heist at Santander Bank in June. And after searches leading police across the state, it all ends at a hotel in Pawtucket last night. And that's where the 19's Molly Levine is live tonight with a big exclusive. Molly?
2: Yeah, Dan and Patrice, today the two were all smiles walking hand in hand after posting each their $10,000 bail. You want to share your side? Stanley Palmer. My girl. No, 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 no. And Tracy Delgado, the two suspects involved in a Federal Hill bank heist, back at the same hotel they were arrested from less than 24 hours ago. Palmer caught on camera talking with another person in this white Kia. Delgado gets out of the car, the couple walking hand in hand with smiles on their faces, walking back into the hotel they've been camping out at, like a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. Would you want to defend yourself, say a few words here? Thank you. No. Excuse me. Just hours earlier, the two were handcuffed in front of a judge, both facing felony charges for conspiracy, larceny, and breaking and entering for an incident in June at the Santander Bank on Atwell's Avenue. Breaking into the bank, then breaking into the safe and getting away with almost half a million dollars. Delgado is the bank's former branch operations manager.
0: I had dealings with her at Santander Bank in Winsocket. Um, when I'd have a problem,
3: she'd always go in, and she was always nice. She'd always say, "You're know, my neighbor." I got to help you out and take care of you. And she did. Very nice person.
2: Back in the Woonsocket neighborhood where Delgado lived in a home searched by police, seizing more than $6,000, including 91 $2 pills. Were you here when cops searched their house? Did you see that?
3: Yeah, I still, all kinds of detectives and cops are going in and out of the house. As I noticed they were Providence, they went one socket because of the different uniforms, black uniforms.
2: And last month, when authorities spent the day searching a North Providence storage unit in connection with the crime, finding $24,000 there that was taken from the bank.
0: But working there... Um, you know, it seems odd that she'd get herself in a situation. The
2: bank says Delgado no longer works there, and the lovebirds aren't the only two involved. An affidavit states 37-year-old Justine Fernandez was there, too. Palmer allegedly using her car that night, and Fernandez helping load money into duffel bags, putting the bags into the couple's car, and then selling her own car to a junkyard. According to the affidavit, Palmer gave her money and told her to leave town the next day. I think they would farther away. Farther than the Hampton Inn on George Street in Pawtucket. I'll say a few words here. Thank you. No.
1: Get
2: Excuse some me. And at last check, Dan and Patrice, the couple, will, was still staying right here at this hotel. Live from Pawtucket, Molly Levine, NBC10 News
0: 19. Now, just to give you an idea, folks, the competitiveness. So Channel 12, they were able to get the video of them being arrested. So somehow they got tipped off that this was going down by uh, someone with Providence Police. So Channel 10, they tried to counter with well we have the exclusive of the couple coming out of court and then going back and apparently staying at that hotel now she's a good reporter molly levine i've been on different live scenes with her but i would think that the, the biggest question you'd want to ask is where's the money what did they do with the money so now some people were speculating did they use some of the stolen money to use as bail money it is A little surprising they're out on bail but so they took her passport they both let out they have been really um the police have been investigating them all along especially Delgado and then we we learned in the channel 12 piece that she claims she was uh, with him that night watching um, I don't know her daughter or his daughter excuse me perform in something but then a flock camera caught her vehicle uh in in one so and then she initially as you heard said she, that she'd give her cell phone to authorities then backtracked on that i'm a little surprised we don't know did she go to police with an attorney did she go on her own um because i would think an attorney would say you know we, we're not like why do we i don't know i think i would think it would be coming better from an attorney saying that we're not handing anything over although they easily could subpoena to try to get the the cell phone but the fact that they're staying so close i'm not sure what to make of that now there has been some people were speculating number one did they use some of the money they stole as bail money i don't know the answer to that uh that's number one number two is there I, i think the larger part someone was saying all right so let's just say they have to do two years uh under an island law well then you do the two years you get out and you have that four hundred thousand that you stole but i i believe there will be federal charges coming in here i mean they robbed a bank um that part the 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 part that they had down was somehow she got the code that the janitor had to go in and out of the bank and then she knew that the timer wasn't set on the vault because normally the timer would be set in the overnight it wasn't set i think they also learned she knew there'd be a lot of cash in the the bank that night so it was flawless going in and out other than probably needed better disguise the manager said he could tell by her size and mannerisms exactly who she was i'm I'm not going to claim to to uh you know be a criminal mastermind but almost needed something to maybe throw off her maybe somehow give her more height make her seem taller whatever it is so the two of them go in and then immediately after that is when the thing starts falling apart i think it's interesting that they definitely knew they had the two of them but then the, the third was the one that they came into she knew the boyfriend this third who the cars they used, and then she got arrested and then been picked up since July. So I got to think that um, they were, you know, she was on their radar, the third party. And I think they found they gave her 25000 for it. You would think, right, if there's 500000 you would think, you know, she should have been getting a cut of at least 100000 unless she did. And they just haven't recovered that money yet. So that was the Channel 10 version of the Federal Hill Heist. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Remember to follow The John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content. Video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of The John DePietro Show.